You're listening to the Untitled Car Show in partnership with RightFootDown.com. Visit RightFootDown for your daily automotive fix. If you enjoyed today's program, please tell a friend. It's the best way to support this show. If you want to visit the archives, go to YouTube and search for Untitled Car Show. That'll bring you to the archived episodes. If you want to follow the show, just search for Untitled Car Show on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can always send an email to the show at untitledcarshow at rightfootdown.com. We're so glad you decided to spend the next hour or so with us. Without further ado, let's get into today's program. Hello and thanks for joining me this evening. Uh, today on my program, I have Jake of Rags to Races, uh, a wonderful podcast focusing on the world of motorsports. Jake, how are you doing this evening? Doing good. And tonight on my show, I've got Ike from the Untitled Car Show, which is an outstanding, amazing uh, car-based podcast. How you doing tonight, Ike? Doing very well. You're selling it too hard. It's just like Set expectations low. That's what I like to do. <laughs> You'll never be disappointed that way, right? Exactly. Well, I can't promise not to disappoint, but like <laughs> that was actually in my wedding vows. Like I promise, I can't promise I won't disappoint. Like just set that bar as low as possible. <laughs> well, you've never disappointed me. I still listen to the show regularly, so. Oh, you're so nice. And when I get an opportunity, because I've been busy as crap recently, I listen to your program as well. I am curious, so I want to get right into this. So, how is it? I, a person who knows nothing about F1, and currently beating you in the Fantasy Grand Prix that we are both in. Did, did I lose you there, or am I going crazy here? Are you there, Jake? Uh, are we having, we, we've been having technical issues this evening, and Jake was informing me, so I'm not sure exactly what's going on here. Jake, I can't hear you at the moment. Can you hear me? Not that I could tell you if that's actually what's happening here. Do, do, do. See, I scared him off with my uh, prowess, I think. Well, oh. well, I had him briefly there for a second. Um, Jake. Hey, there you are. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. I'm still recording, by the way. This is all standing because that's how I work here. So uh, I'll probably cut some of this stuff out, uh, especially the loud beeping when I called you, but... Yeah. Um, so did you hear my question? I did. So I, and I got a good laugh out of it. Now, there was a couple of weekends where either I was at the racetrack or busy and I didn't get my predictions in in time. So I wasn't able to get any any points for any kind of predictions whatsoever. <laughs> uh, other times, my predictions were just god awful. Mm -hmm. I think the only prediction I've ever gotten right was the number of safety cars because I always go with one. So, <laughs> so uh, to kind of clear that up, me and Ike are both on a uh, sort of a podcaster's uh, F1 fantasy league. Mm -hmm. And I started out, I, I helped the top for, what, the first three races, four races maybe, I think. And then I just plummeted. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know. How, actually, I can tell you how I'm doing well. This is my uh, secret is I have uh, a former, not Formula One driver, but a former race car driver basically feeding me the information of, you know, who's probably going to win. That being said, I've gotten very few predictions, right? I actually had the correct lineup for uh, the last race, which I think was, was that 
Canada or Monica? Yeah. Where was that? Yeah. It was Canada. Canada. I actually had the right, like, first, second, and third picked, and then uh, he talked me out of it, and I got them all wrong. I was like, ah, shit. Oh, man. You <laughs> totally annihilated me if you'd have gotten them right. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm curious, though. Can, so you can see the stats. Can you see who else? Because I, I, uh, you're a pro member. I can't see uh, what exactly is happening behind the scenes. So are you able to see who everyone's picking, or is that something you can't see? Uh, I don't know if I can see whatever – I can't see what other people are picking. Um, all I, that does is gives you a little extra money to uh, to throw around. So I changed – when I went pro, I changed one of my uh, manufacturer teams. Mm. And uh, I changed one of my drivers. Mm. Well, I, is this something where you want to give up what, what, what you're doing over there? Because I'm more than happy to give up my little uh, secret over here at the moment. Yeah, just a second. Let me. Uh, it's asking me to log in. I'm actually pulling up the app right now, so um, I, I have no no shame. I will say uh, right off the bat, I am a huge Lewis Hamilton fan, so that's my number one driver. And because of how I know F1 goes, and I'm a huge F1 fan, my top uh, manufacturer is Ferrari. So whenever. Ferrari does good, whether it be Raikkonen or Vettel, and whenever Hamilton does good, I get a ton of points. So my secret to this was to say, you know, I, I don't need a driver. I'm just going to go pure manufacturer on this one. Now, I do have a decent driver in there. I have Vettel in there, but I have both Mercedes and Ferrari as my manufacturers, and then I have Haas as my third one. Uh, I had Haas for the longest time, and I have such high hopes for them. Mm-hmm. But man, they kind of with the with the failures at the beginning of the year, it totally screwed me. So I pulled Haas and uh, replaced them when I went pro with uh, Form Force India. Uh, Force India. It's a, I'm curious how much extra money that gets you because if I could have gotten Hamilton for a lot of those races as opposed to Vettel, I would have been like racking up points. You're not going to be able to afford Hamilton and Vettel and, and still have a decent manufacturer. Uh-huh. Uh, line up. You could possibly do it, but you're going to have next to nothing else. Yeah. Um, I, I actually just pulled up my team here, so I've got Hamilton, Stappen, and Grosjean are my drivers. Oh, I have Grosjean too, and then I have Lance Stroll as my other one. Okay, okay. And then uh, my cars are Ferrari, Toro Rosso, and Force India. Mm-hmm. What, what's going on with Force India? So I'm vaguely paying attention to this stuff because you know, Anytime there's, like, a competition to win, A, I love the, uh, you know, uh, shit talk, I guess is the best way to put it, like, talking crap on each other. That's why every competition I've ever been in, that's what I enjoy the most out of it. Um, So I'm paying a little bit of attention. But Force India, they've been having a, like, is their boss a crook? Well, I mean, he works in F1, so obviously the answer is yes. But, (laughs) you know, I don't follow the politics much as I probably should when it comes to F1 outside of uh, I'm glad to see that Bernie's not in charge anymore but you know every every team every race series there's always that that hint of outlaw if you will so if he's breaking the law it wouldn't really surprise me that much because you look I mean there was an IndyCar and a WEC car recently like a team the guy got in trouble because he was scamming people out of money and basically running a borderline gray area loan shark business 
and then you've got you know your F1 teams, your NASCAR teams, of course, have always been steeped in it. When it comes, when you look at the history, even into the 80s, some of those pro NASCAR drivers were still running moonshine in the back roads out out on the East Coast. Yeah, but that's just like redneck. Like that, that's just to be expected, you know. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's curious. So, like, it, it was a good weekend for racing because you had, you know. Uh, Red Bull GRC this weekend. Last weekend was, uh, not to date this too much, but the last weekend before that was, was that Canada last weekend or the weekend before? And then you had the 24 Hours of Le Mans this weekend as well. So, I mean, it was a great weekend to just sit down and watch some motorsports and, like, just dissolve into the couch. And then, um, unfortunately, being a parent, you can't sit down and just watch it uh, for all 24 hours. But the little bit I was able to catch and then catching up afterwards, um, what happened to Toyota? Like, they just kind of like, I'm watching it. They seemed like they were doing good. And then they just had a series of unfortunate events happen. Like, I don't know. Were you paying attention to the race at all? You know, I've I've still got some on my DVR to catch up on. Um, but it's two years in a row for Toyota. They've got to figure out the reliability. Yeah. I mean, a, you kind of cut off there. Hold on. I don't know if that's on my end or your end. Do, do, do. Say something. Ah, oh, technical issues. It is what, this is what's going on here with the uh, technical issues this evening. So, up, oh, up. Oh, I can kind of hear you. See, it's every time he goes and then comes back, we're, uh, we're having Skypey Skype issues. So what is up with the Skype this evening? This is just absolutely maddening. Hold on, you're not even coming through to right. Uh see see now it is on my end what we got going on here. Uh, now I gotta pause. Uh oh. Here let me let me try calling you on this end. Do 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 See this is Skype issues. Hey, uh, can you oh, hear me now? Yeah, see, so yeah, technical issues, man. Are are we is Skype run by Toyota? What the hell's going on? Was, <laughs> you know, it's just it's funny you say that because I was just saying, you know, speaking of technical issues, it's it's plaguing Toyota. They got to figure out the reliability of those cars. Something something's not right with them. Last year they were so damn close, and I was so upset to see them lose last year, and then to have all the issues they. Had. Oh, god damn it! That was my mistake. <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! Uh, that that was that was on my end there because I hit the wrong button on the. Uh, on oh the, no! Yeah, I went to lock the screen and it uh, decided to end the call at the same time. So <laughs> that was that was the guy giving the wrong signal to go ahead to Toyota while they were racing. So that's. I'm just leaving this all in because this is an honest production. You've got a bunch <laughs> of editing to do, and I do not envy you for that. Um, oh, I'm used to what I love doing. Yeah. So, But what's up with the Japanese manufacturers? Because Honda can't build a reliable car. Toyota can't build a reliable car. You would think that they would be the masters of doing this, and yet like, somehow the Germans managed to pull ahead. And when you are less reliable than an Italian car, like something is a, <laughs> something's wrong. I mean, come on oh, now. No. Let's talk Japanese cars here because the last Japanese car that absolutely kicked ass at Le Mans was powered by a rotary of all things. Yeah. Uh, and they were banned. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, it's it's crazy because Mazda Mazda's the only car that or is the only Japanese manufacturer ever won at Le Mans. Correct. And was that with the rotary engine when they actually won? Yeah, so it was a seven. I believe it was the seven eighty seven B was the last one that won. It was a four rotor twin turbo, just behemoth of a car. Yeah, and now you have Honda building a motor for a Formula series and for a spec series, and they both blow up. I mean, obviously, you know, they obviously won IndyCar, but then they also had poor Alonso blew up as well. So it, it's. Yeah, I- Oh, sorry for him. Yeah, he, he's just like bad luck. Like I would not let him drive in my car if I owned a Honda. <laughs> like if we were going from like here to the airport and it was like let's hop in the Honda, I'd be like no 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 no, you, you can't come Alonzo. Like something <laughs> something bad's gonna happen. We're gonna blow a head gasket or something. So, yeah. But I just don't know why. Why do you think these Japanese manufacturers are having an issue? Do you think it's something? You know. There's like a lack of technical knowledge because I I don't think that could really be the case because these engineers obviously aren't all Japanese or German or everything. They're from all over the world these days. So why is it that it seems like these two manufacturers are having so many issues? Personal opinion, um, at least on the Formula One side, uh, Honda was in for a while and they used to be very, very competitive well into the 80s and even into the early 90s. But then, you know, when, uh, you know, there there was some, I know that, I know there was some uh, issues like with the stock market in Japan and that uh, at that time and they lost money. So they, I'm sure they lost some of their, their top dogs when it comes to engineering and design of the engine. And from there, it just kind of fell out and then they dropped out of Formula One and motorsport altogether, if I remember correctly. And now that they're trying to get back into F1, they're so far behind the curve, and it's been so long for them that they don't know what to do with themselves. They don't know how to, to properly build the engine to last. I mean, they can build it to be fast, and even then, that's still a stretch. <laughs> they're at least getting into points territory, but the the engines aren't finishing, and that's that's a big problem for them. When it comes to IndyCar, I'm completely lost because they've been in IndyCar for years, and yeah. Oh goodness. So let me try something before we uh, decide to stop because I can't hear you now. So are you fine? Hello, hello. Yeah, there we go. Hello, Back again. hello. I, I I tried swapping a thing over and hopefully apparently there's an issue with my little adapter bit here, so that might be an issue. So uh, again, I don't edit crap. Uh, but sorry, everyone. The um, <laughs> No, so yeah, they've been in any car for years. There's no, there's no real excuse for that. Now that being said, their Japanese driver, he was the guy who won, was in a uh, Honda powered car, right? Yeah, he was, and, and and I think it's just Alonso's bad luck with Honda. He, I think he needs to go back to a different team. And, and uh, from what I hear, rumors around the uh, the grid and the paddock are. Uh, McLaren's not going to run Honda anymore after this year. Mm-hmm. Well, you would think that McLaren would be able to fill in that technical gap that Honda has, but yet they've somehow been, a, been, been unable to do that. Well, McLaren, if, from a motorsport perspective, a streetcar perspective is one thing, but from a motorsport perspective, has never been an engine manufacturer. 
they've always been a chassis manufacturer, and that's where they they base their design. In fact, most of their money that comes in is through engineering and chassis engineering. It has nothing to do with engines. So that's not really their area expertise, and they're, they're, they're very open about that, that they're not an engine manufacturer. They're not planning on being an engine manufacturer. Hmm. I guess that makes sense. So, I mean, but who does who does McLaren go to? Because you have, you know, Mercedes, Ferrari. They're not going to hand over engines. You have, what is it? Uh, who makes the engines for the Red Bull cars? It's like Renault or something, right? Uh, Renault makes the engines for uh, for the Red Bull cars. Um, Ferrari used to do the Toro Rosso. However, that may have switched. There was talk that Red Bull might go to Ferrari as well. Um, McLaren has used Mercedes engines in the past. Mm. So it would not surprise me for them to spark, re-spark that partnership. They've, they've, they wouldn't surprise me to go back to Mercedes. It would make the most sense. Yeah, I guess so. So, I mean, so McLaren as a company is, uh, I forget, are they self-owned or are they owned by an outside manufacturer now? I believe they are still self-owned, but don't quote me on that. Yeah, because my my recollection is so they're kind of self-owned, but they've had manufacturer connections with you know Mercedes in the past before they really started putting out their own street cars. So it it kind of makes sense, and it maybe you know in the past you could take the McLaren name and say, well, Mercedes, you bring us the motor, we'll give you a you know high performance coupe so maybe we might get some sort of crossover like that again in the past like it's very similar to like when ferrari does well in formula one they suck at building cars and vice versa now that's kind of been not so much the case as of late but like they've kind of just been good in both without being great in either um take that ferrari prove me wrong loan me a car so um yeah i don't know it's such a I don't know, maybe they could, you know, leverage it that way. And I would like to see more low-end McLaren stuff. You know, I'd like to have something that's semi-accessible with a McLaren badge name on it. So maybe this would be the way to kind of make that happen by, you know, McLaren takes an engine from Mercedes for the Formula One team, and then they turn around and Mercedes, you know, sells a whole bunch of, like, smaller cars under the McLaren band like brand name maybe i don't know just kind of spitballing here well let's look back at uh, at streetcar and supercar history here do you know what engine powered the mclaren f1 um that was was that the bmw v10 or a mercedes v10 it was a bmw Hmm. it was a bmw v12 if i remember right you're right yeah it is a v12 i I like the 850i but it was completely redone and worked over by the engineers at mclaren Mm mm-hmm so, are you saying maybe Formula One, BMW is getting back into it? I like the way you think. So. I would like to see that. Uh, they kind of left uh, on a real down note, and I would like to see them back. I don't see it happening mm-hmm. anytime soon. But at the same time, you're looking at a guy who's also a huge, was a huge Ford Cosworth fan, and they're not coming back anytime soon either. Mm. It would be nice, though. I mean... I. Formula One seems like a, you know, as as much fun as it is to watch and kind of, like, follow along, there is kind of this, like, 
it has such a like super high end untouchability with it, like where you know, Red Bull GRC is kind of like the opposite end of that, where like Red Bull GRC you can go to, you can experience, you can play in it, you can be there, you can pick up, you know, what is it, the racing around Subarus and Ford Fiestas and, you know, Volkswagen Beetle. Like you there's an accessibility there. Now those cars are not what you're gonna be able to pick up at the, you know, dealership. But they look like it and they kind of feel like it from like the layman's terms. So there's that level. And then Formula One, everything is so alien that, yeah, like why not get a brand in there that could kind of be the every man's example of like a Formula One manufacturer? You're never going to get that. That would almost, that would almost, uh, Water down F1. F1 is meant to be the absolute pinnacle of engineering and design philosophy and aerodynamics. And it's really used uh, by manufacturers not just as a tax write-off, but uh, they also use it to test test things. You know, these hybrid systems that we saw five, six years ago in, when they first started coming out with the Kerr system – we're now starting to see those in streetcars and give it another five or 10 years. And you're going to see Mustangs and Camaros with Kerr systems, Fiestas with Kerr systems in them, because it's just, you're talking about the absolute unattainium, unobtainium and, and working it into a car. And, and over time, it'll filter down it, to, to try and filter down the whole series. It, 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 it's not going to work that way, I don't think. Mm-hmm. But, like, let's take Mercedes, for example. Mercedes is probably in the best position as a manufacturer simply because they have the biggest base to kind of lean, a base of knowledge to lean up against. Because, you know, every Joe Schmo on the planet, given enough time and you know, alone in a shed, will come out with you know, a crazy supercar that can do 800 miles per hour, whatever the hell crazy number they all claim to do. But, you know, it's really hard to make a small, efficient vehicle that's also safe in a crash that can get you, you know, 45 miles to the gallon. That's where the real technical limitation, like where you really see those expert engineers is kind of like, when you have such constraints on everything and still make a product that's usable for the every man, like kind of, you know, Renault makes a good, makes a great engine and they also make economy cars. You know, why not have a, maybe Renault's the closest there is to it, but, you know, why not try and get someone like, you know, Ford or Chevy or Vox or Opel or someone, you know, even Renault, you know, as more of a like flagship, hey, listen, we're taking this technology and we're going to drop it down into, you know, your little, you know, piece of crap cap, crap can, maybe not this year, but maybe five years from now, you know? Well, looking at engine manufacturers of F1, you look back into history, Cosworth, which I brought up earlier, yeah. they ran Ford emblems on their F1 engines. Hmm. That, they that... were. They were funded by Ford. Jaguar was also a big F1 team for a long time. Jaguar, the manufacturer, had their own F1 team, and they were a subsidiary of Ford at the time. 
Yeah. I mean, it's a good point. I, you know, I make a, I ramble on for 10 minutes and you're like, yeah, you're kind of right, but you're still very wrong. <laughs> like, No, you're not wrong. You're not wrong at all. And it would be nice to see some of the bigger name manufacturers. I mean, Renault, you've got to look like with Renault. Okay, so Renault isn't just Renault. If you look at the Red Bull, a few years back, they were running Infinity emblems on the nose cone because Infinity and Nissan owns a part of Renault. So you still got Nissan involved. You've got Honda involved. You've got, you know, all these other subsidiaries. Okay, so Ferrari, not so much, but Ferrari is now owned by FCA, Fiat. So, you know, in fact, there was a Grid Life uh, a couple weeks back, Grid Life Midwest Festival, and there was a Fiat 500 bar there that on the back they had uh, put on vinyl baby Ferrari, which <laughs> in so many ter- in so many words is true. But, you know, it's it's <sighs> there's a lot of different companies out there and there's a lot of hands involved. It really comes down to you got to look at the bigger picture. So, you know, Nissan, in so many words, is still involved in Formula One, even though they've never actually been a, technically a Formula One contributor as an engine or a chassis builder. You know, that's a very good point because you, you really start looking at these parent companies and you really do get to the thing of, like, these are some of the biggest manufacturers in the world actually in Formula One really competing against each other. They're just doing it underneath, you know, a flagship. With, like, Mercedes, probably, because you, you think about Mercedes, really is kind of the standalone there because they're kind of their own brand. And then you think, well, Ferrari's part of FCA. You know, Renault, you got the, you know, Nissan Alliance there. Um, it's very interesting. And it, uh, you, you kind of proved my point again by proving me right and wrong at the same time, which is a very adept way of doing it. So, I, I don't know. So, do you think, you know, Fiat Chrysler being the what third biggest manufacturer in the world, um, and they have all this time and effort to put into these motors, do you think that's really helped them improve over the last? Because last year it was just the Mercedes show, right? Oh, yeah. And this year it's very much a two-horse race between Mercedes and Ferrari. Do you think you're going to see Ferrari overtake Mercedes again? coming up or when they finally swap engines again well i'm really hoping to see a lot more competition because last year and like i said i'm a, I'm a huge hamilton fan so i want to see him win the championship obviously and i'm gonna get a lot of flack from my followers on facebook when i posted i was uh cheering for hamilton the first race of the season i got a lot of flack for that i'll still get a lot of flack i don't care but um i i like to see the competition and i think Ferrari is finally starting to figure out this combination. Every so many years, they're gonna they change Formula One changes the the, the combination and the, and the rules to where you have to completely change everything about the car. And usually, when that happens, it's a it's a big it's a crapshoot really as to who's gonna get it just right. And Mercedes, when this this whole setup came out, and this this iteration of an F1 car came out, Mercedes figured it out first. Everyone else is now scrambling to try and catch up. And Ferrari's finally figured it out, so 
if we keep with this style of F1 car long enough, Ferrari is going to catch up. Renault is going to catch up. Red Bull's already got the chassis figured out. It's just getting the power down. That's the only difference for, for them. So we'll see what happens as it goes. But, you know, if there's a major rule change comes up in the next two or three years where they change engines or drivetrains or anything like that, where, or they put huge rules on onto the, the chassis and the wing and, and downforce regulations, that's going to change things too. So it really comes down to whatever the rules allow. Isn't it strange that in the last couple of years of Bernie, Bernie Ecclestein kind of like being involved with Formula One that they were putting giant uh, phalluses on the vehicles? Kind of <laughs> after he left, it kind of has like faded away. Well, the, well, the Johnsons on the front of the car was was really it, it actually was trying to be a safety thing, believe it or not. <laughs> Listen, if we fuck him up the ass, then <laughs> then ram him to the wall. Somehow it slows him down. Like I did, did yeah. It was the the car had to be a certain length between the end of the driver's feet and the end of the nose cone. It was what it came down to. So aerodynamically, people weren't able to figure out fast enough how to get that nose cone pointed right enough. So they had to put some piece that extended far enough out to say, hey, our nose cone goes out to here. And it's this far away. The end of the nose cone is this far away from the feet. Hmm. That's where all that came from. It was all just trying to bend the rules. Now, I'm and picturing, it, I think it. I think you're wrong. I think it was Bernie Eglinstein going up there, I want more penises. Give me more penises. I think that's exactly what he was doing. So, well, he did complain and say that a woman will never competitively drive a Formula One car, so it wouldn't surprise me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> how is he not dead yet? I mean, uh, yeah. I, I, have I mean, he looks like the oldest man in the world. Like honestly, <laughs> like how do you how do you live that sort of like luxurious lifestyle and still look like the crypt keeper? Like, that just doesn't make sense. <laughs> Bernie Ecclestone, the Crypt Keeper. Now that's stuck in my head for the rest of the week. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. Yeah, that, that's my contribution to the world of motorsports. Like, uh, <laughs> so it's been a fun time. I don't know. I, I don't know where to quite go from there. So, um, yeah, I'll change it up a little bit here. Hmm. So, well, this is weird because we're both hosts, so this is this is good. So now I can sit back and relax. So. So you did uh, uh, an open road rally, the Lemons Rally, recently. Yes. And for those of you listening on my show, this might be a little bit of retread here, but I'm curious to – so what would you like to know, Jake, I guess is first and foremost. So it was the 24 Hours of Lemons uh, Retreat from Moscow Road Rally. Okay, so explain – to those who don't know what it is, explain what a road rally is. So what you do is – there's a start point and there's an end point. Depending on the number of days, there might be, you know, a checkpoint you have to arrive at uh, for the evening overnight stop. And then along the way, there is kind of, uh, depending on the rally, it can either be straightforward points you have to go to, or in the case of the Lemons Rally, you kind of have to be able to decipher the clues they give you. Each clue is a certain number of points. Um, your vehicle and the drivers are rated for points for unreliability, 
and for, you know, like general unkemptness of the driver in the case of the uh, 24 Hours of Lemons race. Um, and you are supposed to keep it within all legal road rules. So no speeding, no, you know, cutting people off, no driving anyone off the road. So it's a very uh, safe way to get into motorsports. I wouldn't say it's too terribly cheap to, you know, do the Levens rally because it was around 400 bucks, and then it was four days, and you have to, you know, pay your own gas and your own hotel bill. So um, I budgeted it out probably around $1,000 for the whole, you know, four-day adventure that we went on. Well, it sounded like quite an adventure, and uh, turns out your car actually uh, was a, became a little bit famous, at least in the background. Yeah. So the day two, after we limped it into the hotel, after we had suffered catastrophic electrical issues, um, the roadkill guys were the only people coming behind us that evening and decided to park right next to us. Um, I would like to point out that my buddy Nick, um, while loading up the vehicle, was like, hey, the roadkill guys parked next to us. I'm like, oh, that's cool. I'm going to take a shit. And then... <laughs> Then I get I get out and I head downstairs and I've had uh, you know Finnegan on this program before and I promised him a case of beer if they did the rally and he's like yeah they were here they were filming and then they left like I took the car away I'm like why did you take the car away that's exactly what I wanted to be in the background of the shot he's like oh well yeah they were here and filming why didn't you tell me they were filming I said that they parked next to us. Dude, next time, if this comes up again, like, say, they're filming next to the vehicle. So it, it did appear briefly in the Roadkill episode, and you can see my buddy Nick driving it away in his confusion of, like, and you can see in the back there's a case of beer that's supposed to be for Finnegan as he drives away. So if you look on the rear driver's side, there's a case of beer, or rear passenger side. I am. I'm rewatching that episode just to look for that case of beer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a Nash, National Bohemian, I think is what it's called. The name oh, of the cool. uh, yeah. yeah. Or Natty Bo, the super cheap beer of Maryland white trash. So uh, <laughs> it felt like the right it, thing to do. It, it's better than Milwaukee's Beast, so. <laughs> yeah, I, I've had both. I, that, that's arguable. It's like one is, <laughs> one is piss, one is piss with asparagus. So, you know, pick your poison. <laughs> That sounds about right. Yeah. I'll eat that. I'll allow it. Mm -hmm. So, so, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, so we, we suffered catastrophic issues on day one, which delayed us a whole bunch. And then on day two, the day started off, you know, very well. And then we suffered more electrical issues and had to retire from the rally, unfortunately. Yeah. So what's a what's a typical day like on on a road rally like that? Oh, I wish I knew. No, um, you well, wake. What's your typical day like? How's that? <laughs> so, um, you wake up. Uh, the day one is a good example. So you, you go from wherever you're staying to the starting line. You check in. You get your list of like checkpoints. You get in the vehicle. Um, everyone had a CB radio for the most part, so they could communicate. Um, gives you about a, maybe a mile range to kind of talk to people around you. Um, and then you just kind of head out to the checkpoint. And uh, 
people start having issues. They start having mechanical stuff because in this race, it's a lot of unreliable vehicles racing, uh, you know, across the country. Basically, driving from Moscow, PA to Alabama. Um, so you're going, you know, several thousand miles, and especially when you're taking all the checkpoints into account. So stuff breaks down. You know, people have issues. So, like, we suffered an issue on the first day. Uh, you just kind of find a way to get to the auto parts store after you break down. You, you know, beg, borrow, and plead, you know, take other racers or, like, the locals. And then you get back to the vehicle, you fix it, and then you kind of head out. Um, and that's kind of just lather, rinse, and repeat. So as, like, issues come up, you know, you have to fix it. Now, there are other types of rally where you can actually take a reliable car to it. Uh, but what fun is that? You know, I prefer a little bit of a challenge of doing it, you know, this yeah. way. So, um, and then in the evening when you roll in, you know, you've done a couple checkpoints, you've, you know, faced weather for whatever, you know, for us it was basically snow, cold, and snow for the most part. You roll in, you go to the bar at the, you know, chosen hotel, you have some drinks, you talk with other racers, and then you all go pass out you know, super early because you're all exhausted from, you know, this crazy thing we're doing. So it's a lot of fun talking on the CB radio. You know, every gas station you stop at, other hoopties show up and you kind of like talk about all the issues you're having. Or in my case, you, you know, whack the living crap out of your hood so that you can get your spray fluid fluid nozzle to work again. Um, You know, just make it work and make it there is kind of the way it works. So it, it's, it's absolute fun. You know, even having to duck out after day two, um, I'm not sure if that, if finishing the race would have given me the same sort of like need to get back, but I need to get back and I need to do this next year. Like it, it's so fun. And the camaraderie of doing it is so worth the pain of, you know, both the financial pain and the, you know, standing in a hill in West Virginia in the dead of night trying to get, you know, a broken distributor to work. Like, it's all worth it, you know, once it's over and done with because it's it's a great story. And um, I would even recommend, like, if you you could take a – and some people did. You could take a family to do this. You just kind of need a semi-more reliable vehicle than what I brought. So, uh, because the other – rally that went on right before this one the actual first one a guy did it in a corvette like a new one and came in relatively high up in the placing simply because he was able to do all of the checkpoints even though he got very few cars or very few points from his vehicle so okay so it's more or less uh the journey's better than the destination if you will oh yeah and kind of being able to you know, at one point it was my se- myself, my buddy Nick in the Volvo, Steph Schrader and Dusty in the Porsche race car. Um, we had the guys in a Citroen van uh, in front of us, like an old Citroen food van. And then there was, oh, I'm trying to remember what the other vehicle was, but it's like four of us rolling through rural West Virginia, you know, getting all sorts of looks from the rednecks. And you know it's bad when the rednecks are going... Those folks are crazy. What are they doing? So, but like getting to see the sights and sounds and like, you know, you're stopping maybe every, you know, you might be on the road for like eight hours a day, but you're stopping 
every 30 minutes, maybe at the most, and getting out of the car, taking pictures, hanging out with people, getting back in the car and heading out. It's just kind of like a like a very big scavenger hunt. And it's so fun and enjoyable to do that it's really worth, you know, getting out there and doing it for sure. So. That sounds like a blast, man. Oh, it is a blast. Are you going to come join us this year? You got to come out. Come on, come on. Get me, give me some advance notice, and I'll get some vacation time set aside. So I'd be all about it, and I'll bring tools and spare parts and everything else. So yeah. for bring an extra car too, we might need it. Uh, <laughs> I have a company car, and I don't have to pay for gas in it. So I'll do. I'll be the. I'll be the the follow up car. Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny you say that. So I I talked to a couple people. I'm trying to get uh, basically everyone who does like a building program or like it's not just a straight up journalist to come out and join us on doing it this year. It is. Uh, and I want to get and actually. So one of the gentlemen I actually bought an Audi motor from uh, recently. So this is kind of like the crazy way the lens community works. So I'm on Craigslist and there is an Audi five cylinder motor listed. And I go. Well, I wanted to put the Nissan motor in, but it's giving me some issues. The Audi motor seems like another perfect way to just torture myself. So what, <laughs> so what I'll do is I'll I'll super lowball this guy on it, and then he'll say no, and then I'll get back to working on the Nissan motor. Well, unfortunately, he said yes. So I put the little one in the car, and I drove down to Southern Maryland. I arrive on a uh, house that has... A workshop on it and I notice a vehicle I've seen in the 24 hours of lemons recap and I go wait a minute and then up from behind me comes the spirit of lemons the aircraft yes so he did the rally with us and he had a support vehicle he actually had the reliant Robin if you watch the uh, episode Uh, his name on the like lemons like you know ether is uh, speedy cop so he has the, yep. so he's got the Reliant Robin, and I forgot, and he bought the Bell helicopter, and they had a tow vehicle, and I was actually, I was talking with him, I'm like, I was cursing your name because you guys had the tow vehicle, and that's all we needed because we just needed to get that cap and rotor to get that car working, and no one had it, and that's why we had to retire. So if we would have, if I would have got buddy buddy with him before this, maybe I could, but. Um, you know, we exchanged numbers. We had a blast. I'm going to try and get down and help him on another project he's working on. But I really want to kind of, you know, pre-convoy it up there next year with him. He doesn't know this yet, so hopefully he listens <laughs> and he kind of... Also weird when I go, hey, I know you. And he goes, what? And I go like, oh. And at the end, I'm like, oh, by the way, I do a program in the entire car. So he's like, oh, I've listened to you. Like, bah. like so that's... It's oh, weird. Hmm. I had that happen the other day when I went out to, I I don't know if I talked to you about it, but I bought a go-kart, and I went out and did some driver training the other day, and I'm I'm getting all settled in. I'm unloading the cart from my car and everything, putting it on the stand, and this guy pulls over, and we're kind of chit-chatting back and forth. I'm like, oh, yeah, I do this podcast, the Rags to Races podcast. He's like, oh, yeah, no, I've heard of it. I've listened to it. I'm, Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> it's weird when that happens, right? Like, it's... It... Like, I don't know quite how to react. It's like, thanks, sorry. Like, that's kind of my, like, first reaction. It's like, yeah, cool. I'm sorry for being me. Like, I don't know how else to talk to you right now. So, 
which I guess is a thing we have to get over as podcasters, like understanding and accepting that people actually listen to us. So, um, no, but I, I am super excited to do this next year. I want to get a tow rig to follow us, so I might be able, if Speedy Cop is going to be into it, I, I am 100% going to try and convince him to, you know, just let us tag along, uh, you know, and just give us a t- flat tow if it comes to it. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to rope a bunch of people into it. So, like, uh, I've already harassed Tavarish a couple times about this to include when he came back on the program. Uh, Freddie Hernandez, for those of you who somehow don't know who he is, over at Jalabnik, and he does all his other stuff. So, um, you know, I, I want to get a bunch of people into this. And, you know, it is kind of on the expensive side in terms of, like, you know, it's 400 and some bucks, I think, to get in to do it. But the more people we get... Uh, who actually know each other um, we could just all crash in one giant hotel room and just cut that cost way down the way down because I'm going to be drunk every night because that's that's my plan this next upcoming time is I'm bringing all the liquor and I'm spending all the time at the bar when I get there so well, I don't and, and you look too you get a team together you get a, a car like yours you can fit what four or five people comfortably in the car plus tools spare parts everything else oh yeah that yeah as long as the car works got, got to get the car work. <laughs> Well, and that's just it. You got a whole pit crew in the car, yeah. So you split the costs evenly, and and it doesn't cost all that much. It's not as huge of an offset, you know, the pocketbook if you're splitting it up. That's very true. Yeah, and that's kind of like again why it's a good idea to, you know, because to get to you know on your side of the program where we're talking about racing, and if you're thinking about getting involved with the 24 hours of lemons or chump car or something like that, but you don't quite know how to approach it, this is a far more accessible way to get into that community because you can honestly take your daily driver, you know, go out to either the East Coast or the West Coast Rally, spend, you know, probably, let's just be honest here, if it's you by yourself racing, you're probably spending in the order of 600 to to $1,000. If you're two people split that in half if you're three people split it into a third if you're hopefully four people you can probably get away with spending like 250 bucks for a whole four-day adventure between four people that's not unreasonable for most people for like a four-day adventure you will have a blast you'll get to hang out with these you know guys and gals you'll get to have such a wonderful time and if a team is looking for you know a crew member or a pit member and they want to, you know, you're having a good time with them. They'll be more than willing to invite you in. You know, you'll learn how this whole thing works. And really, the the 24 Hours of Lemons community, like my little interaction I've had with it, um, is such a wonderful, welcoming place where you should, as an automotive enthusiast or a racing enthusiast, you really should go try and become a part of that in any way you really can because it is such a rewarding fun community and you you really shouldn't try to get into that from the get-go on your own you really should try to learn from these guys like work with a pit crew you know work as a racer before you and some more buddies go out and just start racing on your own i think so the lemons rally is a great way to kind of like broach into that and see if that's the community you really want to start getting involved with for your amateur racing you know self yeah um 
long story short, also, just talk to people. Talk to people who are involved. I'm going to post links to Lemons uh, so you can see more information about Lemons Rally and whatnot here in the in the show notes and on social media when I post this. It's 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 a hell of a deal. Um, mm-hmm. and I wish I had time. I could have done it, it this year, and I just couldn't get the time off. It was too. It was a little bit of a short notice deal. But this next year, if the if the timing's right, I will put in for vacation. You know, within the next week or so, if need be. Yeah, it, it's. Um, I have a great, re- um, not reputation, a great rapport with the Lemons guys. So I'm hoping to know as soon as possible when this thing is coming out, so I can start getting the team together. Because um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if Nick's going to want to go with me <laughs> again after. Uh, <laughs> You know, because when we failed and we got left, we broke down on the side of the road. Um, I do not handle failure well. And then, you know, I, I become very uh, despondent. So Nick is, was an absolute wonder with it. He was, you know, he's high spirits. He's like, hey, I thought this might happen. Let's go down to the local bar. Let's have some drinks. And then we met some meth heads and we're like, we're out. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, trying to... Uh, you know, I was still trying to get back in the race, which wasn't feasible. So we ended up, you know, towing the whole thing home. And I, he had fun, and you know, he got his toolbox toolbox signed by toolbox. By the way, is you know very innuendo-y when you start thinking about it, and you mispronounce it. So you got, but he had it signed by uh, Freiburger, which is really what he wanted out of the whole experience anyway. And then, so he might be doing this. Uh, with me next year, we might be doing it in his own vehicle, and then there's some right foot down guys who might be joining us, and then maybe some people from elsewhere coming in. So I really want to get that crew together as soon as possible, and kind of you know approach it from like kind of a multi car angle because this you know again made fast friends hopefully with Speedy Cop, and then kind of you know put together something maybe with him, maybe without him and get something, you know, going. Cause I, I really, you know, I, I'm sure you can tell the listeners can tell that this is something where it really whetted my appetite for this type of competition. And right now with my little one being the age she is and my wife's work schedule, my work schedule being what it is, this isn't something I can really compete in every race one that I get, but I have to, get out to the East Coast Lemons Rally because it is such a fun time and the people who do it are so worth it to hang out with. So Yeah, well, it, you know, I, I don't actually have a car anymore, so I uh, sold my Miata and got a go-kart. And yeah. so I don't have a car to take out with me, but if someone's looking for a set of hands to turn wrenches and help keep the car in one piece... Well, Jake, you're on. You're you're on the team. You you're coming. You're coming with me because that's all there is to it. Because you you are you are getting on the plane to get out here, or however you're getting out here, and I am making you bring me pizza and hot dogs because that that is going to be. So fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. So, uh, how are you racing the go kart? Because I'm a little confounded. About it. Are you racing in like a go kart series? Or are you racing in like, is it a shifter kart? Tell me more about the go kart. Okay, so it's uh, a, it's not a shifter cart. It's a single-speed cart. Um, it, there's a new class. It's, well, it's not so new, but it's new to me. 
uh, started about 10 years ago. Briggs and Stratton basically built a crate motor for go-karts. It's a four-stroke. Think of your average lawnmower motor, but it's built for racing go-karts. Okay, so it makes sense. You know, little kind of specky series going on. And I don't know if that's me or if that's you. And if you're still here, Jake. Hello, I can hear you. You're yeah. me. Yeah, I can hear you. You're coming in kind of choppy, so I'm not sure what happened there. Uh, yeah, so it's kind of like a spec series of go-karting. Yeah, think of it as like spec not a, on a smaller and ridiculously cheaper level. Yeah. So um, the cart, I bought the cart for little over two grand and it's a complete setup with data logger multi sets of wheels and tires stand extra gears extra parts the whole nine yards i couldn't turn it down and i took it out test driving and the thing will hit all of 60 70 miles an hour as it sits without i haven't even done any chassis adjustments or anything yet I've done some gear adjustments for the track I was on just so I'm not pegging the rev limiter halfway down the, the long straight, but it's it's got a lot of potential in it, um, and it's a spec class, so you've got a spec tire, your spec engine, you can't open it up, you can't do anything to it to keep the cost at a bare minimum, and when you start looking at like even your regional events or your local events, my local track, it's... I think entrance fees for a race weekend is $75. And, and it, the cart runs on pump 87 octane pump gas. So this is really probably the cheapest and probably one of the best ways to get into wheel-to-wheel racing that you can compete in against like other, you know, you know, good people. I don't I'm trying to think of like other enthusiasts that's the word i'm thinking of yeah. like so um do they balance it out weight wise or is this something where if you weigh like 60 pounds you have an advantage depending on where you're racing now with the uh with like the regional 206 cup which is what i'm going to be racing next year uh there's different classes for weights and so you have to have a minimum weight there's a couple of different classes and you just add lead to the cart to, to weigh it out now as it sits right now for the little local races that I would do I'm pretty close to the to the minimum weight just me in the cart but I may need to add five or ten pounds um, mm. to, to make it to up to the minimum weight not a big deal so it's not one of those things where they weigh everyone and go like well we're gonna add you know because we got you know uh, fat Albert here so we're gonna add 400 pounds to each one everyone's car it's just kind of like Everyone has to hit a minimum weight. And I don't know what's going on with the audio. Do, 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 do. Jake, 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 This is a great podcast right now. All right, so let's see here. If I undo this and then redo this, are we picking Jake back up? Jake, can you hear me? I hear something weird going on in the background, but I don't hear Jake. So we're going to do this. And then we are going to see this is the great world of Skype we live in now where uh, 
you know, we can connect to anyone anywhere in the world, but you better be able to, you know, figure out the technical issues because otherwise it's just nutty. And now I have uh, somehow not able to get a hold of him. Nothing makes sense. Do, do, do. Um, and so this is how this is working. I'm just vamping while this is going on, by the way. This is we've done this whole thing and I haven't cut once, which uh, may or may not be impressive to you out there in uh, podcasting land. So come on, work, damn it, work. So I don't hear anything coming through on the like bit. I should be hearing something right now, and I do not. Come on. Come on. Not working. So let's try that one more time. Uh, all right, so now you can hear on your end that it's trying to connect. I don't know why it's not working. Jake! So that's the uh, audio issue we've been having this evening. I hope we can get back a hold of Jake because if we are unable to get a hold of Jake, uh, I'm going to have to uh, do some technical shooting, which means I'm going to have to cut. Let's see, there's that issue. So uh, hopefully we get Jake back. Um, do, do, do. Uh, that being said, while we're sitting here waiting, uh, so let me see here. Try. Yeah, sorry. Bad podcasting. So while we're sitting here waiting, we're going to be having. Oh, I don't even see. It looks like he got completely offline. So we might have a big technical issue here. So uh, while we're sitting here waiting, seeing if he comes back online or if there's some sort of uh, technical issue, um, I'm going to say make sure you. Go look at uh, Track Monkey Apparel. You bookmark them because hopefully soon we're going to be having a pre-order thing come up for some shirts and some items uh, associated with the show. Uh, specifically, we're going to be having shirts for sale for pre-order soon. And it's one of those things where... Oh, there we go. Jake, you're back. Hey, there we go. Mm -hmm. See, I got so desperate when you left that uh, I started doing an ad read, which is just so crazy. So, uh, yes, so I totally lost my train out here. So we were talking about, so if Fat Albert's on the back of the vehicle, oh. yeah. Yeah, so if there's enough people, like, like at a regional or a local or a local race, like at your local club, um they may, if there's enough people that are going to be well over the weight, they'll they'll break it down to different classes. They'll have like a a heavy and a regular class. Um, that's how it is with the regional. Is you have your 206 heavy, your 206 medium, and your 206 light. So and there's minimum weights for each of those classes. I can tell. See, this is this is the professional podcaster. Me, you're still a little brain frazzled from all the technical issues this evening. <laughs> professional uh, ass, but <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, let's let's do a little bit of inside baseball here, since I'm not editing anything, and people have heard all my little technical issues. So, you have basically daisy chained uh, three interviews together this evening. Yeah, this is interview number three. So, so, and technical issues 
all night tonight, right? Yeah, every single one of them. Uh, first one, it was cutting out on my end. Second two, now it's cutting out on their end. Yeah. So it's it's interesting. You know, people think, well, all you do is you, you do the podcast and you sit down for an hour or so or however long you sit down and you just kind of talk and you just kind of vamp. And it's just like having a conversation with people, not realizing it takes, you know, quite a lot of work to make this whole thing go off seamlessly and when you hit hour number three of constant talking <laughs> chit chat and doing stuff you are just mentally exhausted at the end and you know i've i've done a two-hour long interview before and at the end of the two hours i will click off the you know recorder and i'll just be like oh my god i don't want to talk for a week like i'm just <laughs> done I think I actually heard one of those episodes. <laughs> yeah, they they uh, clear coat. Yeah, they, I think yeah, because they would not let me leave because I did not let them leave because <laughs> when I was on third program, I was heavily drinking, and when they came on my show, I was stone cold sober, and that was not 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 a good mix. So, um, <laughs> so it's, I mean, like, where are you at mentally right now after doing you know three hours three. I'm assuming three plus hours of podcasting as we speak, and it is. Yeah, it's going on uh, four, four yeah. hours now of podcasting after a full day of work. So, pretty much, I'm all about talking cars, and I can talk out, talk and hang out. But man, I'm gonna be going. I'm not touching any of these episodes for a while. <laughs> the one I'm gonna post Thursday, that'll be done. I'll edit it Thursday before it gets released, which means it might not it might be one AM Friday morning before it actually gets released. But it'll it'll get released on Thursday. The other two I'm gonna put off for a while. <laughs> yeah. So I mean it's you how many episodes in deep are you now? Um, I'm in my twenties. Okay. Uh, I took a little bit of a hiatus over the winter. I had some uh family members with some health issues, so and a dog that needed surgery, so I did I put things up for about a, six weeks or so. I think I took off and then got right back into it. So I, I think that's enough in to be. Because I forget what the exact breakdown is. Like if you do something for like ten thousand hours, you're an expert. If you do it for you know, you know, a hundred hours, you're you know, like something at it. I forget what they break it down to. It's some old saying, whatever. But I think 20 episodes deep is fairly deep enough to kind of have this, you know, deep appreciation of, you know, how this thing works and like how, you know, because you listen to other podcasters, I listen to other podcasters and you kind of get this, you know, when you're a one man operation like you or I are, it's a lot oh, more, yeah. you know, Otis on you to kind of. You got to get the quality, the equipment, the editing, the talking, you know, the guests and blah, blah, blah. Whereas, you know, your big time people, they have, you know, editors and stuff, which, oh, my God, that would be a godsend. But, you know, when you're doing it all yourself and you kind of. I, I don't know if you maybe appreciate it more, like what goes into it, but, you know, there is this, you know, because I've talked to podcasters and other people who've been you know, interested in coming on the show for whatever reason. And they kind of, I kind of get this feeling that they really can't stick around for the long term. And 
like I said, mm-hmm. when you first came on, which was actually before your episodes originally came out, maybe there was one episode out, where I got this like feeling that you were kind of here to stay in terms of podcasting. You know, so you're 20-some episodes in. You got an appreciation for, you know, the time and the effort and all that goes into this. Um, if you would have known how much time and effort it really takes to do this, do you think this is something you would have originally gotten into? If someone would be like, no, no, you don't understand. It's going to be this long to do everything. Well, you know, to be honest, for a little while there, I was starting to question whether or not I was going to keep going. And then recently I've had just a few people that I've never met before in my life talk about the show or let's say they listen to the show or approach me through the show. And it just really it kind of sparked me back up and got me fired up again. And I'm all about getting back into it and even deeper than I was before. Um, I can't talk about on the air here exactly what's going on, but I'm actually going to be writing for a website pretty soon here. Uh, I'll be a regular contributor to a website in the coming weeks here. You people who can write shit. I'm so fucking jealous. Like my words are just like the worst. Like when it comes out of my fingers, I can't write for shit. I was a little bit surprised that somebody asked me to write anything because I look at some of my blog blog posts. Blog posts. Four hours (laughs) of podcasting, that's what it does. Um, I look at some of my blog posts now, and I'm like, what was I thinking writing that? It makes no sense, and it looks like a third grader wrote it. But I actually uh, wrote my first uh, article over the weekend, and I had time off. I had actually... Right, I actually was able to spend like, hello yeah well, you're here you you kind of went out for just a second okay. oh sorry yeah but I actually got to spend like four and a half hours just sitting down and, and contemplating and, and writing notes and figuring out the what I was going to write and I actually was able to get the article down part of the reason I did this marathon session now so I have some uh, episodes banked so I can you know, I, I don't have to worry about editing. I don't have to worry about writing or, you know, ready, reaching out to people and setting up times and, and recording. I could, all I have to worry about is editing and getting the episodes out. Hmm. Makes sense to me. So, because again, that this is, this is the flip side of that argument where, you know, typically I go like, Oh yeah, just do blah, 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 blah. I've tried writing. I like it to a certain extent. I'm no good at it. And this is one of those things where I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do the, bare minimum of that as possible to get through this whole thing, which is really an issue because most of automotive journalism, you know, people approach it from a writing aspect and then they move into other corridors. I'm taking like, I'm going with podcasting and I'm just going to go with audio and maybe some video stuff and just throw shit at the wall. And I am, I am uniquely jealous of people who can write words good. Well, like I said, I, I don't know how it worked, but it worked out to my advantage. And, uh, yeah, I'll share links with you once once the stuff gets uh, printed up and, or posted, I should say. It's not actually going into print. So, But it's, it's just taking time. I mean, here I am, guy who actually – I never even went to college, believe it or not. I was a tech school guy, and I was an Army guy. That's what I did after high school. I haven't written anything – official since i was in high school and that was pushing 20 years ago it, 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 it's funny because I, I think the person who was last week or maybe the week before 
was was we're having the same conversation of like, uh, yeah, didn't I just dropped out of college and it's like, well, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you need that college book learned in any way. It, that's my advice for the young people. Who needs college? No, I'm, I'm kidding. No, it's probably for the best, you know. Uh, but there's other ways to get to it, and that's entirely another topic I could go off on a tangent on, but I'm not going to keep you up that fucking late. So <laughs> then you're like, all I want to do is go eat my portillos and go to bed, because I know and if you don't have portillos before you go to bed, I am ashamed as you as a Chicagoan. So, um, well, then you're going to be ashamed, especially ashamed because no, I'm not having portillos. I'm trying actually to, to cut a little bit of weight and get back in shape again. And there's a portillos less than a mile from my house. I hate you. I hate you. <laughs> Curses on you. Uh, I mean, oh man, I'd be so fat if I was where you were at. Like, uh, I, I just want a chocolate cake shake, just like right now. Just give it to me. Oh, it's <laughs> so good. Um, yeah, so, but again, I think there is a. And I, I look forward to reading it because I do think there's a, you know, worldliness that people appreciate where, you know, because writing well, I don't think is something you have to go to a school for because, you know, a vast majority of the people I've interviewed, I've done over 200 episodes now, um, don't have a background in journalism or in specifically writing. It's a lot of, you know, engineers or, you know, uh, they go to school for something completely non-related to what they're doing now. And they, as long as you kind of have a gift of gab and the ability to, you know, write, I think it comes off as very compelling. And your podcast, your voice shines through very clearly as to what you do and who you are. And, you know, I can't wait to see, you know, this publication you write for. I'll be you know looking for it. And I'm sure you're going to have a wonderful, unique voice when you do that as well. So. well thank you, man. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, listen, I, you blow smoke up my ass, I'll blow smoke up your ass. That's how this <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Tis a fair cop. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's, I don't know, I, I'm very happy to see you do well. Like I said, I, I enjoyed your stuff basically right from the get-go. Um, you know, found you through the Team Clear Code guys. You're an absolute, you know, wonder for what you do. I enjoy, you know, listening to you talk, your unique perspective on motorsports and the great guests you get on. So, you know, and I enjoy too because you've had a few episodes where you've just kind of had to vamp on your own. And uh, I always enjoy people being forced to do that in the podcast because well, it's it's a little akin to torture, I think, for a podcast to have to do an episode by yourself. <laughs> Oh man, those are some of the roughest ones. But sometimes it's you, that the guest falls through, and, and you want to get something out. You need to get something out, or something happens. Like uh, I did that episode where I forced myself to watch the Daytona 500, something I never really planned on doing, just to talk about it and, and just to see what it's all about. And it's tough. Yeah, it don't, uh, it, it's I, I get such great joy from listening to other podcasters have to do it on their own because I, I i try and do two episodes a week and for everyone listening this week there should be two episodes out but the week prior which is actually the week we're in it's been such a crazy go nuts week that i just have been unable to do that so i apologize again because this is probably the fourth time you've heard me apologize 
at this point because time is weird. Um, in this case, it's nonlinear because I'm recording this episode before I put out the episode where I apologize for this, which is weird. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, so there's that. So, um, I got to admit, though, man, when we're talking about solo episodes and whatnot, you're the one you're part of the reason I've done solo episodes because I listen to your shows and, and I hear your solo episodes and how easy it is for you to go on. It made it sound so damn easy. And then I went to do it myself and I thought I was I thought I was dead. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what to do with myself. So the one great gift I think I was given this life is I'm a middle child. Uh, and you know, being the middle child, you have to find ways to amuse yourself. And, uh, between that and the fact that, you know, I used to drive around a Saturn, which had a very spotty infotainment system. There would be points where, you know, I'm driving a hundred miles a day, one way to get to the job I was working. The radio isn't working. The CD player isn't working and the mind just wanders. And that's the only way to keep yourself entertained. And, you're just sitting in the car just talking like, oh, look, there's a cloud there. And isn't that interesting? And blah, 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 blah. And you just kind of, you know, I kind of have this naturally, uh, natural ability. This is me blowing smoke in my own ass. My natural ability to kind of let my mind wander. But then on the flip side of that, when I started recording episodes, I think I deleted seven or eight episodes before I actually put out a, like, true solo episode. Because, you know... Just talking is fine. Anyone can just talk, but making it interesting, compelling, like you found you having to do, and I found myself having to do, it's so much more difficult than you would think. Trying so, to stay on topic, even. Oh, I don't do that. That that I don't even do that on these episodes. So, <laughs> <laughs> come on now, like you've heard these episodes, like staying on topic. My mind just like <laughs> goes off onto a tangent. I don't understand how you and Steve Leto can stay on topic because that just seems like nuts to me. So lots of notes in advance. That's all I got to say is I have a handwritten outline of, of points I want to hit and, and keep it, try and keep it to that. That's about it. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that is the other thing too, is I do, I have found, and I, this helps out again for anyone. We're now in 13 minutes into this episode for anyone listening now who uh, is still listening and is thinking about starting up their own podcast. You have a cell phone, you have, uh, you know, no application on there. You get a random weird thought that makes you laugh to yourself, write it down in a notepad and then talk about it on the podcast because that is the best thing I have found. Like just that weird thought you have or like that hateful thought you have when you're stuck behind the bitch doing five miles per hour on an on-ramp or off-ramp for no good goddamn reason. That is so worth it. So do you swear on your program? I can't remember because you're going to have to do a lot of bleeping otherwise. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we, we've gone completely off the rails for your program. Oh, we're, we're completely on topic for me. So for people listening to your show who have no idea what the hell my show's about, it's just this. So uh, <laughs> so why don't we uh, kind of give our little show plugs here, and then uh, we can say goodbye to each other off the air. How's that work? So where can people find you, Ike? Uh, I'm not used to this. Uh, so people can find me by – the best way place to find me is go to Twitter, search Untitled Car Show, follow me there. Uh, you can also just Google Untitled Car Show and your podcasting app of choice, and I should come up. Um, we also have a Facebook, a uh, Instagram that I remember I have occasionally, and I think that's pretty much all the plugs for the program. Uh, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, 
blah 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 all of those places. So, where pe- where can people go to find you, Jake? All right, your uh, average uh, podcasting app, uh, most prevalently iTunes and uh, Stitcher. I know for sure, but pretty much anywhere I or podcasts are found, you can find me. Rags to races. I'm on uh, Facebook at www.facebook.com slash rags to races. Instagram, uh, I took a ton of pictures of Grid Life, but didn't post any there because there was no Wi-Fi and no data. But that's at rags, the number two races. And I'm on Twitter at rags two races. All right. Well, I think that uh, does it for the pluggity plugs and all that. So this is typically where I say on my program, I will say goodbye to you off there and everyone listening. Uh, hold on, I'll be right back. I don't know what you would say in this time on your program, though. Pretty much the same thing, So, uh, but I'll uh, throw in my little catchphrase at the end here for you. Uh, keep the shiny side up, the greasy side down. Remember, there's no strangers in motorsport, only friends you haven't met. And I'm so jealous of the fact that you have such a clever name for your program. I still haven't come up with one for mine. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I'm going to say goodbye to Ike off the air here. I'll be back in a little bit to say goodbye to you guys. All right. Bye, everyone.